everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report special live edition with a man who should have been on the show seven years ago. Like, before the show even started, I should have just consulted with him first about building a WordPress business. It's Josh Strebel, founder of Pagely. We're going to talk about bootstrapping a business in this super competitive world of not just hosting, but managed WordPress hosting, enterprise, all that fun stuff. Before we get into it, what is this show all about? Well, mattreport.com slash subscribe is the number one way to stay connected. Uh, it's a podcast all about WordPress. We bring on entrepreneurs, talk about their struggles and wins in the WordPress space. We share those lessons with you, and hopefully you get a little something out of it. You learn how to improve your WordPress business, whatever it is, products, service, that kind of thing. We are wrapping up season number four of the Matt Report. Uh, and it's been an amazing season. Netflix style released all 10 episodes. Uh, many of you binged on listening to that. That's mattreport.com slash season four. And then you have enjoyed the slow trickle effect of getting those through iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and whatever favorite podcatcher you use to, to listen to these shows. And we're wrapping up this special live edition. We've got another special live edition coming out. And then the last episode, episode 10, will wrap up season four. And guess what? I couldn't have done it without sponsors who sponsor independent media like this. Also, one of the guests today, Josh Rebel of Pagely, sponsored this show uh, for season four. We can't thank him enough. So if you're listening right now, throw him a tweet. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for supporting independent media like this. Um, thanks, Valet, for putting out a great product, for putting out Valet Metrics, and for supporting the Matt Report season four. We couldn't have done it without both of you gracious sponsors. So if everybody has a moment, go ahead and thank them on Twitter and ask questions. Um, if you're listening on YouTube uh, or watching, excuse me, on YouTube Live, go ahead and drop a question in the chat box. If you're listening and watching on Facebook, drop a question in there. That's all I got. It's MattReport.com. And today we're talking about, we're talking to the 2020 presidential candidate, <laughs> or so it looks like from his, uh, from the view of his office, Josh Drevelich. Josh, welcome to the program, sir. Uh, you, you called me out. I wasn't going to announce my formal candidacy for another few, <laughs> few years. Um, for folks who don't know who you are and what you do, give us that two minute, two minute elevator pitch of what you do in the WordPress space. Oh, well, uh, I guess chief among it is I'm a professional rabble rouser. Um, I, I probably have a bit of a reputation for speaking my mind a little too often and uh, get myself in trouble. But uh, I guess if I had a business card, it would say I am a co-founder and CEO of Pagely, which is uh, the first managed WordPress host, uh, which is now a billion dollar category. And, um, you know, there's plenty of names in that space now. Uh, I think what makes Pagely different a little bit is we kind of focus at the very top of that pyramid, enterprise, big scale, you know, kind of the hard edge cases uh, for WordPress, you know. Um, got a great team behind me. Uh, we're a 13 year old company uh, and we've been doing Pagely for about seven uh, with a prototype a little bit before that. So, you know, I've never known anything but entrepreneurship since I got out of college. Uh, we. We took the last of our honeymoon money, actually, the, you know, the money we got from our wedding to use it to pay the lawyers to incorporate our company. So I've since college, I've been nothing but hustle and grind and sweat and tears and broken hearts. Thankfully, the last couple of years, it's getting a little better, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's great. Could you just take us back real quick to when you you weren't doing the hosting company. You mentioned you had maybe like this sort of hybrid thing in place, maybe this prototype in place. I mean, what was that like to make the leap from depending on client services, knowing that that's all you knew at the time? I mean, can you take us back to that, that nugget in time where you said, you know what, to heck with all that, I'm just going to push forward on that. I mean, what was the mindset like for something like that? Well, um, to go back, to the beginning, real quickly, uh, 03, we started a web design agency. So we scaled that to five or six people. We were, we were doing fairly well um, in, in terms of a five or six person agency could. And uh, we were kind of getting the itch on, you know, what about the product space? What about something that is a little bit more guaranteed monthly revenue? You know, rather than waking up on the first of every month at zero, 
and figuring out how do we go make X amount of dollars this month to cover payroll and expenses and things like that. We were, we were kind of interested in figuring something out that was a little bit more uh, repeatable or had a little bit more momentum. So a uh, recurring monthly um, a recurring monthly subscription business or something. And at the at about 2006, uh, my wife Sally was uh, overhearing me on some phone calls with some uh, sales prospects. And in the early days, you know, a, a website we maybe charged a thousand, two thousand dollars for. Uh, you know, this is 03, and I was right out of college, so that seemed like a lot of money. Uh, but by 06, 07, we were you know charging twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. And some of those early customers would call and say, hey, you did such great work two or three, four years ago. Can you give me an update? Well, OK, here's our rate. And, and they're like, oh, whoa, we just we can't afford that. Where's the where's the thousand dollar rate? Well, I, I'm sorry, we can't be profitable at that uh, price point anymore. So um, unfortunately, we can't help you. And Sally overheard a few of these conversations and, and was like, you know, why, why can't we help them? Why can't we figure something out to maybe productize some of what we do? And we were using WordPress at the time anyways. Um, I think it was like 1.4 B or, or something was the version. It was super early. And so that was kind of the genesis of, well, why don't we take WordPress, this thing called WordPress and kind of put some structure around it with domain registration and, and theme choices and uh, kind of package it as a monthly fee, you know, kind of a website builder product. And we did that for a couple, you know, eight, nine months. It didn't really take off, so we shelved it. And then, uh, but in 09, we came back to it, uh, cleaned up all that code, added some new features, and launched that as Pagely. So the, the mental impetus was really, you know, that frustration of, man, you got to make payroll in two weeks, and we got five or six, uh, uh, you know, a, invoices out we got to chase these people down to get paid for our client services work you know maybe there's an easier way out there maybe we can do something that that kind of builds on itself every month and that was kind of the mental mental decision on on why we switched so it seems like the like this is the holy grail kind of business everybody's sort of you know i say everybody but a lot of the people that i talk to are are looking for that kind of solution and the, the same pain points you're talking about from you know eight ten 12 years ago uh, in terms of running an agency, you know, having customers that you'd love to help, but they just couldn't afford, you know, to pay your small team. Th those, those things still are happening uh, today. I mean, if, if there's a small two, three person shop out there, I guess what's the best way for them to sort of move up, move up channel from your perspective? I mean, any quick tips for something like that? I know it's the hustle, it's the struggle, it's selling, it's getting out there, but from your perspective, what, what could they do better um, to increase their their chances at winning at this? I think it, it can be boiled down to position yourself as a partner versus a vendor. And this is something we're actually doing with Pagely is as we continue to go up even higher in the stack, uh, our customer base is looking for, for different things and looking for us to kind of take ownership of their project and, or, or the success of their project in a much more collaborative partnership role versus we're just a vendor that they cut a check to every month. And so even in the in the agency in the design space, the more I think the more that a client feels like you're thinking about their business as much as they're thinking about their business and you make yourself invaluable and indispensable and you're bringing solutions and and really kind of working to to, to grow that garden together, uh, you can certainly keep raising your rates as you do that. And um, I, I've never heard a story, you know, I'm sure it exists, of somebody raising their rates and losing business. It's always the opposite. People raise their rates and get more business and better clients, or they reduce their, their, their stress, which maybe increases their profit margin. So, um, you know, it, to sum it up, be a partner versus a vendor and charge more. <laughs> right, right. And I was just on a podcast um, yesterday, uh, Curtis McHale, and we were talking about this sort of same, the same thing. Like when you move up channel or you move to a higher price point, the lesson in this though is if you take, let's say you do a, a website for $1,000, you realize that, you know what, that same $1,000 project, somebody would pay 5000 for, somebody would pay $10,000 for, but the expect change, uh, expectations uh, shift a little bit 
or a lot, a lot with your customer in terms of the quality of service, not the code, you know, not so much like the design and the WordPress geeky stuff, uh, but your level of service to them, phone calls, meetings, in-person meetings, offline availability, support, all that stuff. What have you learned going from, you know, hosting a, a, a blogger like me to big brands, um, you know, like Comcast, like Verizon, you know, how do you, how did your mindset change to cater to those types of people? Well, what's interesting is I'm going to be a little contrarian here and say that in some cases, not all, the bigger the company, the less needy is the word, the less, the less they actually need that constant reinforcement. It's, mm. it's much more of a it's up, it's working, you're thinking of me, you're being proactive, and they don't really uh, uh, um, interface with us too much. Now, that, that's, 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 not, that's, that's an exception, not necessarily a rule, but um, you know, in, in hosting an enterprise, or in hosting a big brand like this, there's a lot of work up front. There's, we do you know, sometimes six, eight, 10 weeks of just legal just to get the deal in place. Sure. And then there might be a five, six, eight, 10 week, you know, migration, onboarding, QA, you know, dev cycle. And then we have what we call a, a guided launch. So then there might be some time on the calendar where all teams are huddling in Slack or, or even maybe we have a voice channel open and we're, we're right there with the internal team, flipping the DNS switch, watching the servers, making sure that launch goes correctly. And then there might be a two or three week phase of kind of tweaks and adjustments to make sure that we have them, them styled in appropriately. And then believe it or not, we might not hear from them for six months. Uh, we're still communicating to them, but they, they may not need us at that point. Now, now the, the, to compare and contrast that, a, a Matt Report blogger, he, he may be a solopreneur and uh, he may really be relying on our team for, to, to essentially flesh out the rest of his operations. So we might get a lot more tickets, a lot more interaction, a lot more requests from that type of customer, frankly, than we do from a, a, a bigger customer. The the end of the day, though, they're all looking for the same thing, whether whether you're the, 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 the Matt Report blogger or Verizon, and that's the quality of service, I think, is exactly what you said. Yep. Your, 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 your team's on point. You, they know they got they they know that you have their best interests in mind. They know they can come to you and trust you to to steer them in the right direction. Um, and at the super high level, sometimes if you're not charged enough, you're not being taken seriously, believe it or not. Yes, and that's one of the you know the larger uh, larger lessons that you know people start either doubling their rates and they and they think that that's all they need to do, and even that number is you know, too small for a, a bigger brand or even a medium-sized brand to look at. You know, wait, are you really, can you really do this for that price? Because everybody else is telling us like 500,000, you came in at 2,500 bucks. Like, what is this? Yeah. Um, which is very common and something that people have to be aware of. So that actually leads me to a question that uh, I didn't have written down, but how do you, how do you learn that lesson, right? Like for, to me that to, to, to know the price, right? Especially in agency work, and probably in enterprise sales now too. Like you have to know what they're willing to spend, what their, um, you know, what their what their average market price is for you know whatever service they they might be looking for. In other words, you have to know what they're willing to spend at that level. How did you learn that? Was it a hard lesson? Did you sell too short in the beginning, and and now you've you've raised your rates, which they are much higher than when I first started out with Pagely. So are you learning that lesson along the way and sort of keeping up with that pace? Um. Absolutely. Uh, let, let me come back to a very recent example of learning that lesson. But sure. in the early days, it was um, a lot of trial and error. Uh, you can, uh, our favorite sell, way of selling at Pagely, and even when I was doing um, consulting work, is it's a very simple, how can we help? And then you just shut up and listen, right? And the customer will just bring everything up to you and show you all their problems and tell you all their problems. And then you just keep peppering questions. Oh, so if that's the pain point, what do you think the solution looks like? Okay, so this is a unique challenge you're having. Uh, what does it mean to your company to, to have that challenge go away or have that challenge addressed? 
And then, you know, somewhere in the conversation, you could you could bring up a question like, uh, and what are you currently paying for this service? And so based on what their kind of pain, their level of pain is and their needs are, and maybe you've got some intel on what they're currently paying to address that, that, that need, uh, can help you bracket kind of where you should come in at your price. Now, Page is pretty transparent in terms of our pricing. We don't just, uh, you know, look at the inbound lead and say, okay, this is Comcast and we automatically triple our rates. We don't, we don't work like that. <laughs> but um, there is certainly some level of value, uh, uh, value-based pricing. And that's a whole other topic, which I'm sure your, your listeners are familiar with. So there's certainly some value-based pricing in there, but you have to be uh, reasonable about it. You can't have one number published on the website and then send a quote over to a company at 10x that and, and then have that discrepancy because I think you're moving out of the place of integrity and in, into a place of being a shyster at that point. So you, you really got to watch that. The funny recent example is we're still learning this lesson. We had a very large East Coast University uh, migrate over to Pagely and it, it was kind of a four, they were bidding the project against four of the managed hosts. Um, and little old Pagely got that deal. Um, and we're, they're, they're very happy and they're very excited. And they've been with us about five or six months now. We get nothing but great feedback from them. But uh, they, they, when they sent their PO over, and they, um, because it's a state-run university, so they're very transparent with their accounting. And they're like, uh, you know, next fiscal year budget allocation to Pagely for X. This is a X percent savings over our previous vendor. And I realized we came in exactly almost with a dollar 50% cheaper. And I'm like, oh, uh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so, so in hindsight, six, seven months later, they absolutely love us. They've had no problems. They're like, why didn't we come to you sooner? And the whole time I'm thinking, and I'm getting paid 50% less. Ah. Man, yeah, you know, yeah. so so I wish I had a little bit more intelligence at that point where I could have maybe bridged that gap because we're still profitable and making uh, doing quite well on that particular account. But it obviously sounds like there was another 10 to 15 percent there that I could have picked up and everybody still would have been happy. Uh, one of the lessons that I, I continue to learn uh, sort of as we move up scale with our own projects and plenty of I'm sure plenty of people listening to this have had this happen is uh, quite often the bigger type of brands, right? The people who are marketing directors in a bigger organization, they're not the business owner. So, you know, they're just, they're looking for the right solution. They'll send me the RFPs that, that other agencies have filled out. And, and I've seen things like, holy crap, you're going to spend, you're going to charge that much money. Uh, you know, and it sort of gauges it. Or when I lose a contract or lose a deal, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask those type of questions, right? So, uh, you know, if you're a freelancer or a boutique agency out there, that's something you definitely want to try to, to key on, key in on if you can. You recently, and, and I'm going to, this is like a, a try of a, a mashup of questions here, but I'm trying to find a consistent line to it. Uh, you recently have sort of moved out of that, not recently, but, and you never really were in the space, but in the world of $10 hosting, $30 hosting, $60 hosting, now I think you are starting out at uh, $200 or $300 per month for a couple, a handful of sites that you host, that kind of thing. What correlation have you drawn or, or what kind of advice can you give to people who, who still are offering that sort of cheap, cheaper buy-in uh, to the client? Like, have you found a lot of people still asking for the $100 plan, the $50 plan? Have you moved away from that entirely and that sort of just ultimately elevated you to the better businesses uh, that are out there? What's the, what's the feedback from that kind of pricing structure? Well, I, we, when somebody does cancel uh, with Page, and we make that very easy because I think trying to lock somebody in is about the worst thing you can do. So, uh, you know, it's a, a click of a button, they cancel, but we do ask, we basically make it a required field. Why? Why are you canceling? And nine times out of 10 on the sub $200 plan, the reason they cite is price. And that's actually kind of makes sense. And that's what we are expecting because as the market has matured, as what we started seven years ago has become somewhat commoditized, but mostly replicated and uh, brands like GoDaddy and brands like SiteGround, they can pack 
a lot of value. They can they can put a lot of the the, the secret sauce, the, the the magic, the wizardry, whatever it is, into a package and charge eight bucks for it. And so uh, it was a a conscious decision. Okay, we can't compete with GoDaddy's billion dollar marketing budget. We can't compete with SiteGround having a presence at 400 bird camps a year. We just, <laughs> we can't, right. right? Because we're bootstrapped, you know, every penny coming in is, is, is very carefully watched. So we had to ask ourselves in this new space, in this new market or this evolving market, where does a company like Pagey fit? Where does a company like Pagey survive? Survive's a key word there, right? Like. If, if we try to duke it out with these guys, we're probably going to lose and we're done. So how do we how do we navigate and switch and zag and, and find the next kind of blue ocean? And so, you know, it was a very uh, methodical, careful process. And just it was kind of attrition as we started saying different things, you know, started positioning ourselves differently. Uh, we attracted a different type of customer. And then the other customers that may have come to us for that more, uh, you know, $30 plan. They, they, they hit our site, not see the plan and just abandon out and they, they go to one of the other hosts. And so it was kind of an 18 month slow kind of gradual shift where we don't even necessarily get the, the lead anymore of somebody at that price point, because I think in the marketplace, Pages kind of uh, ha has that brand perception now of, hey, if you want to host this type of site, you go to Pagely and nobody else is really going to be able to help you with that. But if you're hosting this type of site, there might be 12 vendors to choose from. Sure. Sure. In the, the competitive landscape of WordPress hosting, hosting and venture capital startups, the traditional with air quotes, I know you can't see me, but with air quotes, do you feel like the hunter or the hunted because you haven't raised, uh, you know, you haven't gone that traditional route where the TechCrunch route, you know, the Pando Daily route, we read all this stuff and everybody is, you know, signing things and, and you know, grabbing their Lambo, choosing their Lambo color at, at the time of the signing. Do you feel like the hunter or the hunted from this? Uh, definitely the hunted. Okay. Not, not, not hunted as in like jealousy or anything, but definitely hunted as in we've always had a target on our back. Sure. Uh, since day since day one, and it started, believe it or not, not from competitors. It started with the community. Uh, when when we first started Pagely, some people in the community were like, "Who the hell do you think you are, charging money for WordPress? WordPress is free, and it's a five minute install. What are you doing to justify fifteen dollars? You know, f you, Pagely." So that was actually a common hate mail that we got. And then as uh, competitors uh, started replicating our 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 offering and, and coming to market. They would obviously, uh, you know, we were small at the time, super small, but they would put us up here and say, attack Pagely, how we're better than Pagely. We do this better than Pagely. And even to this day, I mean, WP Engine is 60 million a year in revenue. Pagely's not. Yet if you go to WP Engine, there's this great little how we compare to Pagely page. Okay, that's awesome that, that, that you still put us, you elevate us to the position where you want to attack. Awesome. That actually does me a good job. You know, that does me a solid now, but there's always been a feeling of a target on our back. It's becoming less so. I think most of the time we're probably just pushed into a corner and say, oh, let Pagely have their, you know, little corner of the board and we'll go eat the rest of it. And that's fine. We've kind of seeded that whole middle market. They can, yeah. they can duke it out. Right. Right. Um, I think, and not to get all doom and gloom for, for people <laughs> listening, but I really think that the WordPress space, um, well, certainly hosting, but definitely products like plugins, things are going to get more competitive from like what you've experienced over the last few years uh, of that sort of level of competitiveness. competitiveness. I think that same thing is going to happen in the plugin space, right? Where you're going to see contact forms duking it out more openly, right? You're going to see e-commerce platforms duking it out more openly. I don't think it's going to be uh, like this aggressive thing, but if you look at a traditional product like a car, right? You go to the Audi's website, you pull up a, uh, a comparison tool. Like every car manufacturer's website has a comparison tool. Um, that's mm -hmm. something I don't see happen on product 
uh, WordPress product pages, right? And I think it's just going to happen wow. more. Um, and I'm, I'm curious on how the, the competitive landscape is going to start shaping uh, the product space of WordPress. Well, I think you bring up something very key there. And I don't think it'll be a war right. versus, say, gr gravity versus formidable forms versus uh, ninja forms. Right. But there's definitely consolidation and people are going to shake out that these are the one, two and three of the category. And then everybody else is meaningless at that point. Got it. There's there's WooCommerce and EDD and I can't think of the other one over here, but the rest are meaningless. And so there, there's there used to be a time where there would be 20 great solutions to choose from for your some plug-in thing and each one was interesting and, and had some market share in its own way but i i think to your point over the next couple of years there's there's going to be a, a category leader a second and third and then nobody else is even in the conversation walk with me down this deep dark path as <laughs> i paint this picture of wordpress uh experience wordpress flavors and i think that hosts are wordpress web hosts are uh in the vantage uh in the advantage point of this my thoughts are because there are so many choices because people are faced with so many questions like we just talked about which e-commerce e plugin which contact form plugin which page builder do i use um my gut feeling is that hosts are going to start investing more in creating their own WordPress flavors. Again, air quotes in the, in the air, something like a rainmaker platform, that kind of experience. Do you think that is coming? Is, is that the sort of trend that you see happening where it's like, screw all this, like giving people all these options. They want a solid solution. That's just turnkey and we're going to deliver it to them. Maybe not pagely because enterprise might, might be so custom, but do you see that happening down market at all? Absolutely. Um, I think you're already seeing it. Uh, some of the back channel rumors is that there's hosts already working on hosted e-commerce, whether that's WooCommerce or not. I don't know, but they're definitely working on kind of your, your, your install profiles. I think that's an old term that Brad Williams at web dev studios came up with where it's like when the customer hits the, the signup form, it's, are you an e-commerce business? Are you a, a, a publisher? Are you a this? And so each one of those categories kind of sends them down a, a channel where there's much of the decisions already been made. Okay, if you're e-commerce, you're using EDD or you're using WooCommerce, there's no other option given to you. And um, in the in the mid-market, the, the uh, hosting companies, their focus is probably primarily on lifetime lifetime value you know that's that's bluehost's whole deal they can they can give it away for 2 bucks a month because they know they're going to get the upsells on uh, over the 18 or 24 months that person's a customer and, and make all that money uh, so the more they can stack into that plan the more kind of configured and and uh, less or reducing friction of that user the more they can extract out in terms of revenue. So, and, and to your point exactly, the upper ends of the of the space, nah, you know, <laughs> uh, ten up built Wamu, uh, which we host. There's nothing out of the box that's gonna fit Wamu, right? right. It was all total WP uh, REST REST API and React, and there's just no easy button for that. Right. Uh, we're not done. Uh, we're not done with the the haunted house of terror ride. My next thing is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and not to put you on the hot seat, Josh, uh, but we're not done. Um, my thing is the prediction of Calypso, right? Or you know, before WordCamp Philadelphia, I put out a small prediction. Not that anybody listens to me. I mean, who the hell am I? But I put out this short prediction of. Uh, of an app facing WordPress, right? So we are now going to experience WordPress strictly from an app. And this is years to come, you know, if not at least a year of this being much more of a trend. And for WordPress to grow, right? So when I hear things like we want to be 100% of, of, of websites, right? Of modern day websites, we're at 27% now, how do we get to 100? The only way I see it happening is a much more tighter controlled experience, you know, like Apple iOS, right? The experience of that mm -hmm. is not fragmented like an Android. Do you see the collar getting tighter for WordPress.org 
um, the experience of WordPress.org. This is a lot. This is sort of future thinking, theoretical stuff here. But if you experience everything from an app from day one as a brand new user, what does that look like in your eyes? And and because it's a hosted solution, doesn't that mean that they they're going to have to sort of buddy up with some web hosts and that's going to be interesting, right? To, to say the least, your thoughts on that scariness. <laughs> um, I think actually .org will always, the, 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 the OSS project will always maintain some level of, uh, you got a thousand choices for everything, even though the ethos that they code WordPress to is what decisions, not options. I don't think they're ever going to remove all those options in terms of themes and plugins because I think they, they, as a whole, that's been a good thing. But I could definitely see um, the automatics of the world, the GoDaddies of the world, the SiteGrounds of the world saying, okay, yes, there's the Wild West still lives here at .org, but for your day-to-day -day user, there's a walled garden here at SiteGround, which is the, the WordPress widget thingamajig. It's like a Squarespace style thing. And then oh, there's a walled garden over here at, at GoDaddy that's that's kind of their custom uh, assembly of, of features and things. And, you know, because you're exactly right in terms of the average user, right? I think I think that's a very clear distinction. People in the WordPress community that, that like us, we're not average users. But the average user coming to WordPress, the next 20% of the market share, yeah, they're looking at Squarespace, they're looking at Wix, they're they're not they don't want to think and go through 12,000 uh, uh, plugins in the repo. So I don't think .org will necessarily sponsor or or get behind any one particular thing. It'll always be kind of the the melting pot. But certainly the big commercial players are going to start kind of building moats, building castles, putting up drawbridges, and just start kind of shepherding people into their little playground. Sure, sure. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit now. Speaking about building businesses and uh, bootstrapping and all that stuff, how important is it to you and, and sort of where do you look to learn to cultivate your team, your team, your employees, right? Like that whole discussion, I think, is something that I don't hear a lot of. Like everybody's always talking about the marketing hacks, the growth hacks, how I SEO'd my site and got to a thousand users. But I'm interested to hear from you on how you invest in in people from support techs to VP of sales and, and marketing. Like, what does that look like in, in your world and how important is it even for the small business out there? Um, it's always culture first for us. Um, talent is so important, but it's really all about culture because because we're we're so closely we're a closely held company. It's it's Sally and myself. And then there's a, a ring of three or four of our directors and it's we're involved day to day on a very intimate level of, of all aspects of the company. And we seek out and hire others that will take the same level of ownership that we do. So the, the culture part is so key. We, we can't there's no fat for anybody to just come in and, and put in a, la a, a easy six hour day. That being said, we have very strict work-life balance policies, so we don't ask anybody to work a 10 hour day. But what we do ask is that during the seven, eight hours a day you give us, you are 120% efficient. You're, a, you're on point with what you need to be doing. And that allows you to stop hard at five because we have families and we got, we got dinners we got to make and kids to get in the bath, or, or we can take a trip on the weekend. So it's, it's really finding that personality type that understands how to be a top performer and very efficient in the time allotted so that then they can have the balance of doing everything else. And um, I think some people get into trouble where they hire an ego or they hire someone who doesn't know how to balance their schedule. And so if you're hiring an ego, you get a lot of promises, but uh, you know, you don't always get the results. And if you hire somebody who doesn't know understand how to balance their own time, you'll get someone that works like mad for two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, burns out, and then disappears for a month. That that that's not going to sustain a business, you know. So, the the maturity of somebody being able to just kind of balance their own time and handle that, and 
PageD doesn't have level one support techs. It doesn't have level two support techs. Everybody we hire, they're dang near junior engineers. And on their first day, everybody from support to marketing to uh, uh, sales has full SSH access to every server that we, we, we manage. They have full access into our accounting and our dashboard and our, and our uh, uh, accounts receivable. We, we put that trust and that authority in them and then hold them responsible and accountable for the results. I think a lot of people get in trouble where they hire somebody and make them responsible and hold them accountable, but they don't give them any authority to make any decisions. They don't give them any trust. Right. And so, you know, are you, are you going to bust your ass if somebody doesn't trust you? Right. I don't right. think so. No. And, you know, the, 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 the caveat there is that we, we have <laughs> what we say in every interview, uh, pardon the French, is don't fuck up. And what we mean by that is make a new mistake. It's okay to make a mistake. Just never make that mistake again. Right. 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 No, that, I mean, that's great. That's great stuff. And, and what I'm going to do here is share a little insight on how I bring in new team members and uh, give you the chance to think about like where you look to hire new people. But sort of the strategy that I have, because again, we're small team bootstrap. We're not doing ridiculous, awesome projects, uh, 24 seven, although it would be great. But I look, I look at the real low level. Like I look at the uh, the seniors coming out of high school, right? That are that I because there's a couple of universities right next to me. So I'll tap into the local high schools. Who is really good at computer science in high school? Who's won some local awards and, and things like that? Uh, and who is going to stay in the area? UMass Dartmouth, uh, Bristol Community College, that kind of thing. And I try to tap into them early. It's like farm league baseball, right? Like I'm trying to get these kids young super young and out of school, which also means that pff, they have no business, um, you know, sense at all. Like they don't understand what we're doing, uh, which is fine. Like what I'm getting at is, is like this whole sort of learning curve. Um, but that's sort of my secret sauce to getting, uh, good development help at not the egocentric price model. Right. <laughs> you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, cause like you, I'm sure you've experienced before is somebody says, I'm, you know, Hey, Matt, I'll help you on that project. I'm $150 an hour. And then uh, it's okay. I trust you. Go at it. And then it's like, I'm, I should have hired somebody from Fiverr because it would have been the same experience. You know what I'm saying? And I'm charging $150 an hour from the agency perspective. And it's like, it's a, it's a, a wash, if not a loss, right? At that point. Um, so that's oh, my yeah. super sauce. Do you look for any untraditional ways to hire people and recruit people? Um, untraditional ways. No, most of most of our hires that come through referrals of existing employees. Um, we, <laughs> I'm sorry, we we have this running joke that someday we're going to rename the company Dreamly because <laughs> we have like six or seven old dream hosters here, and one came over and then another and then another. And this wasn't me going to recruit out of DreamHost. This was just internally employees were like, yo, you got to come check out this awesome company. And, you know, so uh, I think most of our support department are as old DreamHosters now. But it sounds like what you're saying, which is, uh, I think is absolutely key, is um, you can train skills, but you can't train culture. You can't train mm. motivation. You can't right. train... Uh, hustle. You can't train being polite, being nice, being being personable. So all those soft skills to me are so much more important because we can train you the page the way of doing it. As long as you got a base skill set and actually, you know, the guys that we hire are already quite advanced, but saying I was hiring real entry level, as long as you got a base skill set, as long as you got these soft skills, we can work on the other stuff. Yeah. No, that's a that's a super uh, important lesson there. One that, you know, at least in the, in the model that I, I shared is, is definitely the big risk, uh, because I get these, I get these kids young and what I find out a year or two years from now is they're not as motivated, um, you know, and, and, and hustle effect. Not that I'm asking them. it's, you know, normal nine to five stuff. There's no, uh, anything crazier than that. Um, but you find that some, some dudes are just, and they're not, they're not hustling. Right. And they're not, they're not doing it. Um, and they're not really in it for the long haul. Yeah. Especially out of college. Some people are just, you know, it's their first thing. They yeah. just want a year or 18 months and then they'll go on to bigger and better things. So that's something you just got to be cognizant of. Yeah. 
Um, you run a, it's like a little meetup, right? Is it at this point? It's, it's like a little yeah. meetup. <laughs> it's called Pressnomics. It is by far my most favorite event um, in, in the WordPress space and in the general um, market space, right? Technology and, and web, that kind of thing. Pressnomics 5 is, is coming up. There was a point where you were like, I don't even know if I want to keep doing this, but here you are again. <laughs> um, yeah. what, what, what's new and exciting for the fifth iteration of this event? Well, um, everyone we do is the last one. We always tell <laughs> ourselves that because A, usually by the end of it, we're pretty tired and we're like, we're never doing that again. But B, going into it with the mindset of, this is going to be the last one. We need to hit a home run. It needs to be awesome. You know, it keeps you from getting complacent so that we actually care and, and try and, and make it awesome every time. And one thing we're doing with PN5 this year is um, we're, we're changing the format up a little bit. Um, we, were, we were initially going to do fewer, longer duration talks. You know, rather than 16, we're going to knock it down to like 10 uh, or, or 8, actually. But then we... we, we decided instead to maybe keep a little shorter format because I think I personally believe shorter talks are better because it forces the speaker to really be on point versus, you know, ramble for an hour. Not that anybody at Pressonomics ever rambled, but, and uh, so in the second half of the first day, we're going to do breakout sessions. So we're, we have uh, what we're calling King's Corners, which was an idea that came from Alex King. So we'll break the room up into quadrants and we're going to have a, a Illuminati uh, in each quadrant, kind of run an hour and a half bar camp. Chris Lemma will be running kind of the marketing positioning one. And um, I hope I don't get his name wrong. Jake Heckman, CEO of 10Up. Yep. No, John, John Heckman. John Heckman. Yeah. What, what you've done is you've merged the... Jake and John together and some, some kind of wild creature. Yeah, yeah they, they were both on the uh, email thread. Uh, but John Heckman will be be doing a hour and a half bar camp on kind of business administration, the CEO type things. And so we, we think that'll be pretty interesting. The second day, we're going to be doing lightning talks, which uh, we've always thought were fun in terms of we're, it, there's no topic is off limits. There's, there's some parameters, but rather than just, you know, WordPress and business and WordPress and business, you know, tell us about why you just love skydiving, why that's just so important to you and, and what's that one big idea you get. So I think that'll be interesting as well to kind of get a little bit more personality from, from some people. And it allows us to hear a, a wider variety of voices too by doing a shorter format. Um, you might not be able to disclose it now. Maybe it's still uh, in the workings or maybe it's something that you sort of announce like when you get there. Uh, but last year it was definitely a theme uh, in place and from my perspective, I, it was a lot of like what we, what we talked about today from the, the small business going to the, the, the bigger size businesses, um, you know, that struggle, that hustle, that uh, the good, the bad, and the, the worst, right? and, and, and sort of people expressing that. It was a very emotional event um, from a lot of the, the speakers, right? Uh, Corey Miller, uh, the gentleman that started uh, that sort of feedback pop-up survey but, and I forget his name, but he spoke before me and he talked about how like VCs and, and investors just like obliterated his business. <laughs> and it was just like, wow. Yeah. Um, is there a particular theme you're trying to work with or was, did, did that just sort of happen last year? Um, I can't tell you what this year's theme is. Okay. Sally gets mad if I do that. All right. But <laughs> yes, there is a theme to every year. And I can, because we say everyone's the last one and when we're done, we're done. And then time just goes on. And then somewhere Sally gets a little like light bulb, a little bit of inspiration. And she goes, okay, okay, this is it. This is what the next Pressonomics is about. And then all of a sudden she gets all the enthusiasm and energy back and we go. And after P PN3, we were done. And then she read Corey Miller's post about mental health and the iceberg and kind of all that. And she's like, wow, you know, We've faced that, and I wonder how many other people are facing that. So that's the theme. Yeah, we're going to do Pressnomics 4, and, and the theme is going to be kind of taking care of yourself, and mental health, and, and kind of uh, imposter syndrome. And so every speaker that we kind of tagged uh, to to present, we kind of, you know, we're, we're not strict about it. But we kind of fed them, hey, here's the, here's the headspace that we're thinking this year. You know, kind of bring your talk into that direction a little bit. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely. I really enjoy that part of it, right? It's it's uh, well, certainly not like a, a word camp, but for other events that I've gone to, um, you know, there still is no particular theme. It's just like you're here to learn. Here's the tracks. It's cool. It's fun. Whatever. Um, but that's a nice sort of icing on the cake, right? The the, the sort of theme stuff that you do. Um, I'm excited for Pressnomics Fives. When is the date? One more time. April six, seven, and eight in Phoenix, Arizona, and tickets are on sale. There's I think about 40 left, so get them before they're gone. I got it up on the screen right now. It's pressnomics.com, PN5. Uh, you have a Bentley and a Ford Fusion. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> look look at the look at the guy, though. It's, uh, it's oh, Patel Pata right? Dunbar. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was wearing a Pagey shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like this. This is like every internet thing. marketer's dream photo right there, right? It's just like putting him up alongside that Bentley. Hey, yeah, one other thing. Um, that this is a much more of a, um, uh, a greedy question from me, but how important or where do you see sort of independent media outlets in the WordPress space? It's just something that's been on my mind. Uh, folks like Brian Krogsgaard, uh, the Tavern, uh, managewp.org, like these communities that sort of foster WordPress news or actually break WordPress news. Um, and what... Uh, is there something there? Like, do you think that that market's going to mature a little bit more, going to get a little bit more valid uh, in the next year or so? Or do you think that we've hit sort of our cap on this whole sort of WordPress news independent media industry? Well, I, I think all the players that you've mentioned serve a, uh, a need which exists since the dawn of commercial enterprise, and that's a trade journal, right? So um, there, name the industry, whether it's dental hygiene, whether it's electronics, whether it's automobiles, there's a handful of trade journals that, that, that the proprietors of those businesses or the, the people that work in those businesses subscribe to, to kind of keep up to, up to date on industry trends and such. And so it makes perfect sense that WordPress has one, you know, it's a huge amorphous uh, ecosystem. And mm -hmm. so, uh, I think these properties play a very key role in kind of centralizing, distilling down mm -hmm. the information because I don't have time to visit 20, 30, 40 blogs to catch up, you know, find out what Matt's up to, find out what Matt is in you, find out what, you know, my competitors are up to. I don't, I don't have that time, but I, I know I can hit one, two, maybe three bookmarks and get caught up on everything that's going sure. on in the world. And I think what Brian said with Krogsgaard is pretty great uh he 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 i'm a supporter of uh post status uh, he's a customer full disclosure whatever but i'm really quite a fan of what he's been able to do in terms of coalescing kind of that higher level discussion that that you know it's not gossip it's not so and so said this or here's the today's controversy it's pretty deep in depth most times unless i open my mouth pretty pretty in-depth conversation that's happening and, and kind of he really takes a very uh, uh, holistic view, especially in his notes and stuff on kind of the trends and what's happening in the market and stuff. So is there another, and, and again, as I said about the channels, there's going to be a one, two, and three. I think Brian's kind of owning cop number one. So two and three might shake out and I don't know if there's room for a four or five. So yeah, we might've hit saturation. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just looking, just always asking my guests about that, that perspective. Any other words of parting wisdom? Do you have five minutes of fire in you <laughs> uh, that you want to, that you want to shoot out or, or are you good on uh, any kind of motivational uh, quotes? <laughs> five minutes of fire. Wow. Two years ago, I would have taken that five minutes and, and gone, <laughs> gone nuts, but I, I'm, I've cut my hair. We're a mature company now. I'm trying to, to uh, be a little less uh, antagonistic. But to your point, um, I think what we've really focused on in 2016 at Pagely is management styles and uh, recruiting and how we work together as a team. And so um, books like Turn the Ship Around, amazing. Uh, that whole philosophy is that, as, as, I, as I said, typically people are held responsible or given responsibility and held accountable for the results, but they're not given any authority. And so kind of that whole turn the ship around book is about inverting the power structure so that even the lowest or the newest person on your team has the authority 
to actually make decisions against the company's mission goals. So we've spent a lot of time last year uh, with the whole team, especially at our retreat out in Carlsbad, where most of them can make it. We spent hours just discussing this concept that um, you shouldn't be asking Josh for permission to do something. You shouldn't be asking Sally for permission to do something because you already have the authority to make that decision. Our job as founders and our jobs as leaders is just to set the mission parameters and set the mission goals. But it's up to you to figure out how to execute whatever is in your realm of responsibility and make the logical decisions to get us to that mission goal. So we've really spent a lot of time on that. Another great one is uh, Extreme Ownership is, is another great book about the Navy SEALs. Actually, uh, Brian, I can't say his name, Torsnard from Delicious Brains. Tornard. He, Yeah, he mentioned uh, the book as well in his 2016 wrap-up. It's, it's just taking extreme ownership of your, your realm of influence, your realm of philosophy, your realm of uh, impact. So even our support team, even our sales development reps, they take extreme ownership of everything that they're, you know, within an arm's length. They own it. They, there's no one to pass the buck to. You know, when we parachute them down into the mountains of Afghanistan, there's no calling home, right? right. To use an analogy from the book, you need to take ownership of the situation and, and handle your business. And so we've instilled that from the top all the way to the down. And I, I think that's really what's making us successful at, at Pagely. And so my tip, I guess, is to encourage all uh, uh, business owners to understand that there's people a lot smarter than you out there that you should perhaps um, recruit and work with, and then get out of the way. Let, you know, tell them what the mission parameters are and then get out of the way, let them execute, let them perform, trust them to help you. And, uh, you know, you'll go far that way. It's pagely.com. It was a discussion by the founder, Josh Srebel today. You can find out more about his company at pagely.com where we help big brands scale WordPress. Uh, and if you go to their website, you can see all the big brands that they're helping. You can check out their, uh, their pricing model, their technology. Look, it's the cutting edge, uh, you know, setting the bar, raising the bar and continuously setting the bar for uh, the competitors trying to keep up with them. Check them out at pagely.com and the website for the event, the big event uh, that I cannot wait to attend is Pressnomics, pressnomics.com, PN5. You can go there, check it out. Like Josh said, about 40 or so tickets left. So make sure you go ahead and buy that, uh, buy those tickets today before they're all gone or before I start selling mine on the black market for 10X the price. Josh, where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, Strebel on Twitter. And uh, if you want to read some of my more insightful and silly stuff. It's at saint-rebel.com. It's my personal blog. It's mattreport.com, mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. And guess what? I got a new product coming out if you're interested in starting your own WordPress podcast. So you can look a fool like me on, uh, on YouTube Live or Facebook Live or across SoundCloud. You can buy that or you can actually sign up for it at the podcast.win. That's podcast.win. Uh, and that'll be a book that comes out uh, hopefully by the end of next week, co-authored by my co-host, Joe Casabona.